Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Right. 
Yeah, he gets paid more when you factor in other stuff, but you're looking at about his salary-wise between $1.25 million and $2 million, right? What do you think Nick Khan gets? Oh, I don't know, six, eight million, something like that. Oh, very good, nine point seven five million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're the guy who now a lot of people were going, well, you know, because they cut all of those people and all those salaries, they're not paying. That's really it's it's based on sort of a, a lot of that's based on performance, and uh, WWE has really, I mean, just those TV contracts alone. Um, and, you know, with the deal that they sealed with um, Peacock, so they're leasing out. Again, they're leasing out all that footage. I think people have kind of lost that in the sauce. Is it's a five-year deal, $200 million. <laughs> I can't even. Larry, can you believe we're talking about these numbers with pro fucking wrestling? I mean, it's so bananas to me. Um, so yeah, Nick Khan makes almost ten million, um, and a lot of that is bonus based. But his base salary is actually higher than anybody else's, as really you would expect. I yeah. don't think that that's that's beyond the realm of reason. No, um, no. He's certainly not getting paid based on the ideas of day one. Um, so, <laughs> as far as being a creative powerhouse, um, he ain't that, at least not yet. But he's certainly a guy who, um, in case you're wondering whether he's happy to work for the WWE or not, I'm sure he is. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it's based on financial performance, there's, you can't argue, as we've discussed on here numerous times, you can't argue with their financial performance. We can argue yeah. about many other aspects of WWE, but financial performance is not one of them. And certainly he has I mean, a lot to do with that. Two, and this is without the TV contracts, right? This is which is their bread and butter. But $200 million a year from Peacock, $50 million every time they do one of those Saudi Arabia shows alone. Um, somebody put this stat out recently with WrestleMania 38 coming out that if you combined all of the ticket sales of every WrestleMania adjusted for inflation, it's still like two-thirds of the money that they've made on the seven um, Saudi Arabia shows. You know, you told me that, and I still cannot wrap my mind around that concept. I mean, that's, that's the obscene amount of money they're getting from Saudi Arabia. That it, that it outdistances all the WrestleMania tickets ever sold. When you, this is a stat I also found interesting, Larry, that I'm going to wow and dazzle you with. Um, so when you look at the money, and keep in mind that this money was essential for the WWE then F survival. From the first WrestleMania, um, when they were still making the majority of their money through ticket sales and through closed circuit. Pay-per-view was, is still in its infancy and not really a factor at WrestleMania 1. So it was considered a huge success because they made 150000 at the closed circuit location for rest, the first WrestleMania. Um, the last AEW pay-per-view 
made um, over 200000 on people who went to the movie theaters to go see Revolution. And we don't even hear those numbers because they're, so, they're considered so inconsequential when it is more money than the WWF made on closed circuit, because that's essentially what it is, right? You're going yeah. to a locale, and you're seeing the pay-per-view. So for all intents and purposes, you're going to that movie theater, and you're seeing, um, you're seeing them on uh, closed circuit. And they probably charged a very similar amount. Uh, if I remember right, it, it's, it's like, it was like 15 to 20 bucks to go see AEW in a movie theater. Um, and WrestleMania, the first one, was, was around 15 bucks, 10 yeah, to $15 I, if you wanted to go I, see it. I was one of those people that saw the first WrestleMania closed circuit. And, did you um, really? Yeah. And it was what I what I remember it? about it is how 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 low grade the 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 video quality was. You know, I mean, it was not. <laughs> I mean, but but look look at the year it was. What am I what am I saying? You know, what could you expect? <laughs> but I just remember I like when they did when they did the um, oh what what I want to say the. Um, Mm, the big NWA show where they did it from both both cities on the same night. Right, um, right. That, that video quality was better than the WrestleMania one was. I, that I remember, but that was on the they put that on a giant screen in the middle of the Omni, so you could really see it pretty well. Anyway, WrestleMania the first one was atrociously bad. Even even the second one, which I saw at Closed Circuit, at the Neil Blaisdell Concert Hall in Hawaii. We went, we went to take the, the first WrestleMania, I had to wait until it came out on videotape, and then I snatched it up at the video store. The second one was Closed Circuit, so that was an upgrade. And then the third one, which was 1995, I remember because I had to pay for that shit, um, was you, we had to go down to the cable station and get a descrambler box to attach to our cable box. <laughs> so we could That's watch right, the, the old descrambler box. Yeah. And, oh. and Revolution, for you know, because Jeff G. Bailey, who was like, I will never, you know, I don't pay for wrestling really, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was so interested in AEW Revolution that he he wanted to get it, but he was like, Steve, I don't even know how to how to do it. And I go, there's only about a thousand ways to see this thing. So I finally <laughs> directed Jeff towards the uh, – there's, like, one particular wrestling website where you could get it. So I think that's how he did it eventually. But Speaking of Jeff G. Bailey, if whether you like deathmatch wrestling or not – if you like good writing about wrestling, check out Jeff G. Bailey's reports on those ICW shows from Chattanooga. Just really, really good writing. Um, just drew me in just just because his, his writing about those shows was compelling. Um, Absolutely. And, and speaking of which, um, you know, uh, Berg was supposed to be honored at those shows. And what did yeah. he um, And that's something we're going to definitely ask him about, but I am uh, I'm thrilled that there is this love fest, and of course, with Dan and Tank running around, just kicking all kinds of ass, <laughs> and and I mean Georgia represented on those shows incredibly well between Dan, between Tank, between the once Logan Creed now Cruel. That sounded I mean to take on Schlack alone 
Yeah. It was mind-blowing. But the fact that he is mowing over everybody, Larry. You want to talk about a – I mean, it is as startling a reinvention and as successful a reinvention in a completely different way than Tyler Culprit, which I know is an incredibly bizarre comparison, but I think it's kind of apt. I think, I mean, we saw two guys who I think people had in their mind as a certain kind of guy, and they have completely, completely revitalized their careers. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing from that ICW show was Casey Kirk. The other thing that got you know really grabbed me about it was was yeah. uh, Casey Kirk doing that stuff. Wow! <laughs> Did you hear? By the way, I have a little tidbit on that match, and before we bring Berg on, so that the that was not the original finish. Oh, the, you, you, the original finish was uh, Casey losing, but John oh. Wayne Murdoch felt the pulse of the crowd. It started off 50-50, and then so successfully did they both do that match that it was 100% her, and he he quarterbacked the call. Do you, if this doesn't make you love deathmatch wrestling or just wrestling in general and just let you know that there's still a beating heart there that has no WWs or E's on them anywhere, right? Like... The fact that that guy, wrestler of the year, first American deathmatch champion, regarded as the top deathmatch guy, just went, you know what? The right call is for her to win, so he freaking changed the finish, and they did it. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Hey, one other comment before we bring Berg on, because we also had, of course, last weekend, the Game Changer show here in Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. obviously – a completely different animal than ICW. But to me, more so than being a completely different animal, the deathmatch aspects of Game Changer, to me, were among the most le- the least interesting part of the show. Not that there was anything bad about it. I mean, it was what it was. But I found so many, so many, so many of the other matches more interesting than um, Nick Gage and Matt Tremont and, and, the, and those dudes and what they did. Not you know, it, was, it was good, but... You know, I guess after seeing ICW in Chattanooga, and it was kind of like tame by comparison, in a way. I was going to say, you know, my take on GCW, I'm pretty harsh on GCW. I think they make a lot of really weird choices and that kind of thing. Um, my take on GCW is this. I think they are an amount, I think they are the closest to a modern-day ECW that exists. In that they have a number of aspects of that show that people don't people think GCW they think deathmatch, but in reality it's a very small percentage of what they do. They have like yeah. this, these sort of like great matches. Um, they have these compelling characters like Effie's compelling. I think you know like Jonathan Gresham usually has a match and they have like a wrestle wrestle match. Um, but the problem is there are now groups that do the individual aspects that GCW encapsulates, but I think ICW does better deathmatch. Terminus does better, like, bell-to-bell Yeah. overall. I think, you know, I, and honestly, like, Effie, I think he is at his weakest 
at the current incarnation of GCW. I think it's the one place where he is the least interesting. Um, I think they've dropped the ball with him. And their women's wrestling, I think, pales. I mean, I, they insist on pushing that one girl almost beyond reason. Ailey Catch. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. and I don't think, I think almost any other wrestling league could point to. We do a better job with our our women's like star than they. You do know, she, she was she was okay, but I really felt Jordan Grace wrestling down to her level. Um, and, mm. and the match turned out to be really good, but they're just on different levels as as athletes yes. and performers. Um, but hey, I guess we better um, get our get our man on. He's he's I see him in the green room here. Dude, I can't wait. We gotta get him on. Talk this good stuff. <laughs> oh boy. show like I was like reliving like that whole weekend in my mind mm. just how outstanding the performance was like for both shows like I, I I don't think that they've had a better weekend all around than what they had this past weekend I agree I don't I don't I've been to a ton of ICW weekends in Florida in particular you know where they have the because usually one gets sacrificed for the other, right? Either the right. pit or the no-holds-barred show. This was the rare case where I thought, in particular, the pit um, matched it. Usually that doesn't – I'm just being completely honest. Usually the pit no, I, doesn't match the chains, but I feel like you're right. I think this one did. Absolutely. I agree, man. And, and it was – I have I have become a wrestling fan again, and, and that was something that I had questioned um, if I would ever be able to be again. Um, you know, one, being in the business, but then, you know, two, just the stuff that you're force-fed on television. And um, But ICW and... and uh, a lot of all I watch is IWTV. I don't watch anything that's mainstream wrestling. Interesting. Yeah. 
So, I mean, uh, action at, obviously, you know, ICW, um, uh, Limitless, uh, that's, I mean, that just, you know, to name a few, um, any of the Phoenix City stuff that they put together. Um, and then uh, I've actually, you know, I sought out a couple of things, um, you know, from from my past to go back and rewatch and make sure that it wasn't uh, that cringeworthy, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, that's I, I've I've fallen in love with uh, pro wrestling and you know most notably independent wrestling, man. It's there's nothing like the the grassroots and you know seeing someone you know come in and seeing them from the ground level up. So I love it. Berg, what what got you back into uh, if you had drifted away? What really drew you back in? I had, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was seeing that, you know, Tank and, um, you know, Dan, they were starting to make the rounds again. And so um, I, uh, you know, I started tuning in to try to support those guys. And, um, you know, I just, I I fell in love with with deathmatch wrestling um, all over again. I mean, it's, you hear so many people, that just shit on it and say that it's garbage wrestling and the guys don't know how to work, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, there's an art to that. And the fact that those guys can and girls, don't let me leave the ladies out, um, can go in, you know, night in and night out and come out relatively unscathed, you know, that's an art form. That's absolutely an art form. And, you know, to to see the girls, and you mentioned her, you know, Casey Kirk, um, and the week, you know, the weekend that she and, and even, you know, and Brandon both had, um, I mean, you know, God, that was, that was unreal, you know, to, to see that. And I mean, good for her, you know, she absolutely deserved that. And, you know, John being a team player, you know, my hat's off to him. So, we're in such a weird. I mean, Berg, it's not. You know, like you're right, right? Like deathmatch is huge, and I think the other part of it is, it's not like it was in like the sort of combat. Like combat zone. When I was wrestling, combat zone was almost like an anchor around wrestling's neck, in the sense that people who didn't know a lot about wrestling would talk about combat zone and use it against pro wrestling, right? They'd go, Oh, it's the weed whacker group, blah, blah, blah. I mean, last night, dynamite, you've got Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker in a cage. You knew they were both going to bleed. You knew they were going to use thumbtacks and it was a payoff of the match they had the year before where basically they murder each other deathmatch style and one match of the year in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Like, deathmatch, I don't know if people caught up to this. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's it's no. now an influence. It's, it's, I mean, and WWE may have nothing to do with it, but 
I think everybody else will. And I don't think it's going in. And ICW continues. You talk about IWTV. Like, to me, No Peace Underground has stumbled, and they're trying to find their legs again. What I find amazing is ICW just keeps getting better and better. Um, if they were going to fade away, it would have already happened. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 honest to God, like, I look at, um, I look at, I look at what Danny's doing. Um, and, and I swear, man, it's almost like, you know, he, he put the IWTV flag on his back and is like, okay, you know, here we go. Um, I, I, I honestly, I think that, that, um, one of, if not, you know, the, the most talked about and probably watched promotions that, that are on that platform. Yes. And, yeah. and and it's I, I love it and and I don't think that um, the deathmatch wrestling is going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think this is uh, just a, a, a you know a fad. I know you know some people are getting their feet wet in it right now um, because it is is like one of the 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 big you know new shiny toy that everybody wants to play with, but it's yeah. really not. It's really not that that new shiny toy. It's that toy that you know uh, was bought 30 years ago and just was very well taken care of, and a fresh set of eyes are seeing it for the first time, going, "Ooh, that looks fun." You know, let yeah. me let me play with that and see how much enjoyment I can get out of that. That's the way I see it. You know. Berg, um, Aaron, Aaron Wade uh, tried his hand at um, deathmatch wrestling up there in Chattanooga. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing him in the crowd at the first set of ICW shows up there. And I could just, I'm looking at this guy, and his eyes are lighting up. And I'm thinking, yeah. this guy wants to get in there and do this. He can't yes. win. And sure enough, there he is. And, I mean, he... he you know what? He went out there and he did not look out of place doing it. He absolutely did not look out of place. Bert, just since you're, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it. So you're a legend. You understand not just deathmatch, but just hardcore wrestling in general, etc. What's it take? Because part of the shiny new toy thing that you're talking about is you're going to have people who, who want to do it, but maybe don't want to do it for the right reasons or maybe don't have the right mindset. What was the mindset? You know, you're mowing over everybody, but now it's getting to the point where you're having to make, you and Bailey are having to make baby faces, right? Jeremy Vane or Ace or Tempers or... Take us through what's the mentality that it takes to do this, you can call it deathmatch or hardcore or whatever. What's the mentality that it takes going into a match? And what was your mindset? Because you're one of the guys who did it as good or better than anybody. And guys really need to hear this, I think, as we enter this era. Well, I, I appreciate that, Steve. I really do, man. Uh, it means a lot coming from you. 
Um, you know, I was I looked at it, man, as 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 each time it was a you know it was a new challenge. Um, I always looked at it as okay, I get to have fun now, you know, and I get to take someone along with me, you know, that that may or may not have been their thing, and 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 you know, preferably the the people whose thing that you know that wasn't their type of wrestling and take them into a match and show them, look, we're not out here killing one another. You know, we we can get mileage out of out of probably doing, you know, dare I say less. You know, less is more, dare I say that. Um and it makes sense to anyone. Um you know, but just just being able to um, do things not just for the sake of doing, you know, uh, doing things in, in uh, the proper position of a match. And, you know, I, I hated doing it when I was active. I certainly hated doing it when I was an active uh, wrestler that, that, were, that was going out and, and performing in hardcore matches. But but my thing was I loved to listen to the crowd. Once the, mm. when the light bulb finally went off for me, right, uh, and I was probably about four years in before the light bulb finally went off, um, and I can tell you mm. exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, I had walked in, I had walked into the arena up in Cornelia, and uh, was going through the locker room. Both of you are familiar with it. Uh, go into where the production area is now. That used to be Gorilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked through the, the first set of curtains and then uh, and past the second set that would lead you down the ramp. And I, honest to God, man, just something inside of me clicked. And everything made sense to me. And that was the first time, and I, I bullshit you not, the first time that I had ever wrestled and heard the crowd. Because wow. I was so fo- yeah, I was so focused on, you know, nobody wants to go out there and stink up the place. And I know that I, I, I had my share of stinkers, and Larry covered probably ninety percent of them. Um, and <laughs> good on, good on him for doing it because. Like, I would know it was bad, but when I would read Larry's report, I would know exactly how bad, and I would know how to come back and correct it. But, yeah, that was the very first time walking down that ramp. And that that night, I listened to the crowd, and I was, um, I was really fortunate to have a, um, uh, a great dance partner. Um, I was working with, um, I won't say I was working with Tank mm. that night. And everything just made sense. And um, I don't think, I don't think we called a damn thing. We may have had a, we may have gotten a finish. I don't even think we called the start of the thing. And it was just, we went and we did uh, maybe uh, 10 to 15 minutes. 
and I, I got to the back and I had the biggest smile on my face because, like, I finally got it, you know. And I and I I tell guys to this day, I said, I don't I don't know how long you've been doing this, you know, but if you haven't gotten this thing yet, like the first thing you're doing is is you're you're overthinking things. But if you haven't gotten it yet, when it comes to you, you'll know the time, you'll know the place, you'll never forget it. And um so I sorry, um lost my train of thought here. Uh no, no. I mean, you know, as you're talking to these guys and you're telling them, you know, the goal is to get it. That's what you're trying to do. Thank you. Know? you. Thank you. Uh, I, I I can remember when I first got to Wildside. Um, <sighs> you know, like that. You know, that was the, the you know the big thing was you know you called a hundred spots and you had to you know know where each and every person was going to be and you had to be there and. You know, like, I was so confused by it all, but, you know, somehow or another, like, I, I, I think, you know, I made my way through it. But to finally have that monkey off that I didn't need to, you know, sit in the back and, and, and go over a match, you know, ten times with the, the people or the person that I was working with just to make sure that I wasn't going to make a mistake and be in the wrong spot or be going to do the wrong spot at the wrong time. You know, it was like the most refreshing thing in the world to me. Berg, how has um, the art form, whatever, whether you want to call it deathmatch wrestling, hardcore wrestling, how has it changed and evolved since you were doing it? You know, it, it's... it's it 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 has um, um, obviously the 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 biggest change is there are there are more ladies that are doing it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they're doing it incredibly well. Um, but I think the you know the toys have obviously changed a lot, you know. Um, a gusset plate, you know, that's a, that's a frightening oh thing. You know, that's a frightening thing uh, to, you know, to, to to look at it. And, you know, I, I actually had a, a discussion with my wife, you know, and I was like, uh, this is this was before um, the, the, the shows up in Chattanooga that I unfortunately didn't get to make it to. But I was like, you know, if 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 the mood hits me right, no matter what I'm doing, and I see a gusset plate, I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna put it into my face or my hair or something, <laughs> just because just because I have to know. Uh huh. I have to know. You know. This so, is the mentality I'm talking about. I think when guys talk about like, oh, I want to be like. There's something about, uh, again, I think Beyond the Mat is really overrated, but there is one line in there that I has always stuck with me, and they're talking about Mick Foley. 
And Jim Ross gives the great line of, I don't know if he loves the pain. And he goes, but he doesn't hate it. <laughs> and yeah. like, that, and I, it, that clicked something in me. Because I was like, why do I, like, you know, I haven't done much in wrestling in the last, like, seven years, right? I, but, yeah, right. it seems like every time I do, I'm, I'm getting color. or And I'm like, why am I? But there's just something about, I was going to ask you specifically about the gusset plate. I'm like, is there a part of you that's like, I, I just want to see what that's like? Because that wasn't yeah. a thing. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you want to see what the gusset plate. And for the, for the uninitiated, sorry, Berg, for the uninitiated, what no, a gusset plate is, is it's a metal plate with these tiny spikes that are really more like hooks. And they're designed to two pieces of wood together. Um, so you can just mm-hmm. quickly stick them on. So in deathmatch, they will take the gusset plate and they'll just hammer. And wherever that gusset plate touches you, you're going to bleed. And so yep. they could do it to your forehead. They can do, often do it to your arm. They do it to your back. Um, part of Logan Creed slash Cruel's thing is he will take those gusset plates right on his titties and then act yes. like he'll just look down at them like, what is this shit? And it's one of the yes. most shocking images to see a guy who, I mean, because you're going to bleed. There's just no, when I think about how many times I was terrified of, like, getting a trickler, when you, <laughs> I was just like, my God, I've never seen a gusset plate not get blood. That's for damn sure, right? Well, you, you've never had the problem, you know, getting the blood. So I commend you, sir. <laughs> Hey, uh, Berg, but, were, were, were light tubes um, part of the scene when, when you were doing yes. it? Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, about about five years ago, um, I, I started noticing, uh, like, my, my, my arm was starting to bother me. And one of my tattoos, it looked like it was starting to bubble up. And in, in in an area, and I was like, why is that sore? And why am I like, why am I bubbling up? Because I mean, I've seen I've seen people before, like different kinds of ink will affect people's tattoos. Mm-hmm. And like my wife, like she's one of the world's worst. Like I don't know what it is. We use the same kind of ink, the same artist. Um, but like her her tattoos at, at times. You know they'll they'll bubble up. You know they'll raise up, and I, I I didn't like realize what it was. And as I began to fidget with it, because you know that's we're idiots and, and men are idiots <laughs> in general. And if something hurts, you know we've got to play with it and see why and what's making it hurt. And and what it was, uh, I finally I mashed on the the spot. And it was a piece of uh, broken glass from a light tube. And I will say this, the last time that I had even been around a light tube at that point was probably 10 years earlier. Mm-hmm. So it had been buried. Oh, my gosh. It had been buried in my arm, you know, all that time. And then it finally decided that it was, you know, going to make its way back out. I guess it had done the tour, 
and you know it was ready to ready to get out. So. <laughs> were, were there places where where you drew the line and said, "No, nah, that's not something I'm going to do." Um. Now I, I'll tell you, and I'm a diabetic, so I take I take shots daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like. The when they use the fucking syringes now, I crave. Oh God! Mm-hmm. Yeah. That obviously and, and thankfully that wasn't a thing, uh, you know, when I was doing the stuff. But um, I, I don't. I think I finally started saying no to fire um, because I, I had gotten a, a bad burn at one point, mm-hmm. and it took me. Uh, from the time that I got that burn, it took me about 15 or 16 years to finally go, ah, yeah, I don't want to do fire again. <laughs> so I've got these these damn delayed reactions for some reason. <laughs> you know, I, maybe it's the, the shots. The, I don't know. But I, I, fire was something that I, that I would, you know, turn down if I was approached with it. Um, but... Um, I think that I don't know right now. Like, you know, the gusset plate. Obviously, that's something that that I would I would welcome. I probably wouldn't after it it, it came, but uh, I would <laughs> I would welcome it just to see, you know, if it was tolerable. Um, but no, I don't. Maybe nails. That that whole. Like the the better nails thing that they're doing now, the, like the, the border knives and razors and stuff like that, like you know that's a big much for me, um, especially me being a bigger guy. Like I can just see putting too much pressure, <laughs> and that's that's mm-hmm. trying to be funny uh, because <laughs> you know three hundred and fifty eight pounds today. Um, I, I'm a bit heavy. For a, a, a very sharp razor or knife to be landing on, so yeah, I, you know, I would probably steer clear from those um, nowadays. But I don't think there was was much, you know, of anything when I was active um, doing it. Now that shit that that uh, that that Dan. Um, did and and I know that uh, there's several other people that do it now. That that barefoot running into tacks and glass and shit, oh, like that. That's no, uh, uh-uh. there's not enough money in the world that you could pay me to do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, not even even you know, I used to I used to really enjoy to partake in in. Uh, you know, the alcoholic beverages. Um, Steve, I don't know if you knew that. Larry, obviously, you 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 do. You've seen it quite a bit. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I don't partake any anymore. Um, so maybe that had something to do with my decision making as far as you know the things that I would allow myself to do. Um, but. No man, it's just like you you see something and you know it, it's it, prime like prime example to me. What you you 
you were talking about um, Cruel Logan just just a little bit ago. Yeah, here's a guy that's damn near seven feet tall. He looks like a million bucks. He does not have to be doing deathmatch wrestling. He does not have to be doing it. He has chosen to do this. Yeah. And the one of the first ICW shows that I saw was uh, it was the one that uh, where Tank, you know, wrestled for the number one contendership, the ninety one. And I believe yeah. that's the same night that that Logan had the broken glass that sliced him up, and he had to go to the hospital. Oh yeah. Um, that right there to, you know, an average person would say, all right, I'm done with this shit. Because I, I saw a guy in Alabama at a death match tournament one time. He was like the first match out. And for whatever reason, he needed tables and fire, and you need to be up in the balcony, and there needed to be barbed wire on these tables. They were going to be on fire, and they, he was going to be thrown through this stuff. And a brand-new, beautiful rec center. Mind you. Mm. So he, he he goes through that shit, and he he gets burned up. He gets cut up pretty freaking bad to the point he's got to go to the hospital. And he was like, guys, it's been fun, but I'm done. That's the mm. end of my career. And it wasn't because he was physically unable to come back from it. It was just he thought that the the new shiny thing that he was getting a chance to play with was just that something to play with. You know, he had some of his family in attendance and I think a new girlfriend and he wanted to big shot in front of his family and his girlfriend. And he got hurt. And I I felt bad for him, but he made a conscious decision to go up and do that. And so when you – first off, you don't have any business doing that kind of stuff when, you know, you haven't even been in the business a year and can put together a, a regular match right. you know, with, with some kind of confidence. Um, this guy had only been wrestling for a couple of months, and – this is what he decided to do. Uh, I think it was Kevin Brandon was the booker. So oh, if, that, yeah. if just me mentioning that name uh, does anything for you, Larry, and you, 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 I'm sure that you remember him. I Steve, I don't know. If oh you yes. Oh, I remember Kevin Brandon. <laughs> some of his, some of his nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that should tell you everything about that kid and why he wound up not having a wrestling career. Because he was a good-looking kid, he was. But he had he had absolutely no business doing what he did, like the combination of it, he, let alone even one of the things that was involved in that one spot. He had absolutely no, like, business being in that position, and he was allowed to go out and do that in the first match of a death match tournament. Hmm. You know, 
inside of a brand new record. So that also should explain to you, you know, the stupidity of booking a deathmatch tournament in a brand new rec hall with wooden floors, mind you. So. <laughs> well, Bert, which gears, which gears a little bit. So explain the process of again. It, it was it was too bad that you couldn't be there, but honestly, to be asked to be part of the ICW thing in Chattanooga, um, when Tank was going to be there, Danison, walk us through the process of how you were asked, what was going through your mind when you were talking about it, all of that stuff. Because, I mean, I just remember hearing about it and just being so thrilled. But I think people would be interested in hearing, like, how did it happen? How did it so, happen? So Dan actually approached me um, – Initially, and um, he said, uh, "He said, hey man, look, um, you know, Danny's, you know, bringing the, you know, the the pit and 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 everything back to Chattanooga uh, in March, and he, you know, he really wants to, you know, he really wants to have you, you know, come in, and and it wasn't like I wasn't gonna." you know, be going there to, to wrestle, you know, physically, I, I'm just, I'm unable to do that now, which sucks, but, you know, who, who knows if I ever would have quit had I not had the choice not been taken away from me, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. Dan approached me with it, and and so I told him, I told him then, I said, um, you know, man, I thought, I've been away from it, you know, for a long, you know, for a long while. And um, I, said, not, I mean, I say a long while. But I'd been away from it. I hadn't been in the locker room with the boys. Um, you know, so I was, and I wasn't a fan anymore. Um, so I told him, I said, look, just let me think about it. And I said, I'll, I'll get back to you, you know, in plenty of time. That way, you know, he can, you know, whatever advertising, whatever you're going to do, you know, you have time to do it. And so I, I started to, um, I started to go back and watch um, from, from the beginning. Um, and I, and I mean from the separation, uh, you know, from from, you know, from Danny and I guess Game Changer. I, I, I went back and I watched from that beginning, um, and I was just getting my, myself familiar with some of the guys, and um, you know, I was watching what they were doing, and um, you know, I just I found myself. Like one day, I think I sat there and I watched. Um, I binge watched like five shows. Like I, it, it pulled me in immediately. And the next day, as soon as I cracked my eyes open, it was same thing. You know, 
get back on IWTV and start where I left off. And that whole day was much like the day before. Um, and this this became a pattern. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, it's, you know, they're, it's, it's, they're sucking me in, this, you know, every day they're sucking me in a little bit more. And, um, you know, I, I, I told, I, so I messaged Dan back and I said, um, I said, look, brother, I said, you know, I said, I've been watching a lot of this stuff. I was like, you know, I, I can't physically go out and do it anymore. You know, like, I really like what, what good am I going to be outside of, you know, being a cheerleader for you guys, which I have absolutely no problem with doing at all. You know, I have absolutely no problem being a cheerleader. Um, and I and I certainly didn't want to um, take away from anything that was going on. You know, like if, if you know, if my job was going to be, you know, to sit at the merch table and help sell mer- merchandise, take pictures, I didn't want to take away um, from what anybody was doing. And um, he was like, look, man, he said, just, I mean, he said, just shoot Danny a message and talk to him, you know. And so that's what I did. I reached out to Danny. And and the the thing I remember uh, Dragon saying to me, um, you know, before I reached out to Danny was, he said, look, man, he just he wants you to come and be a part of, like, be at the show, be a part of the show. He just wants to give you your flowers. And I I never really thought about that term, you know, um, you know, giving someone the flowers. I never really had thought about that term. And so I reached out, and Danny and I started talking, and, you know, I I sent him pictures of my of my foot and leg, and I was like, "Look, brother, you know this is this is me. This is why I can't do this anymore. You know, I don't know really what I can do for you, but if you you know if you would like for me to be there, um, then absolutely I'll do it." And he was like, "Bro." I don't care what you do. I just really want you to be there. And that 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 touched me, man. That that honestly God. Like I felt that in my heart. You know, when he said that because it wasn't about you know what um what I could go out there and give of myself. You know, he just wanted me to be there. Sorry. Uh, I get a bit emotional thinking about it. Um, yeah. But, uh, but no, man, To you know, just to think that, uh, you know, he had that much respect for me. Uh, I, I told him, yeah, I'll be there. And... You know, uh, I started feeling bad earlier in the week, last week, 
And um, so Thursday, like I, I just I, I fought it off as long as I could. I went to the old doc in the box, and uh, he told me that um, told me that I had bronchitis. Mm-hmm. And I like I I felt like I felt I felt horrible. I don't know if you guys have ever had bronchitis, but like it like it just it drained me. Um, and I knew that I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be doing Danny any favors. I wouldn't be doing him any good up there, you know, just sick as hell and not being able to be the best version of me that I am now. You know, I felt like, you know, if, if, if he's going to present me, you know, the way that I am now. I absolutely want to be the best version of me that I am right now, and me being sick is is not a way that one I wanted to be presented uh, to to the the crowd, and I certainly didn't want to be presented, you know, to the boys. A lot of them who I'd be meeting for the first time, um, yeah. you know, I, I didn't want to present myself to them, and you know, as far as that shit being contagious, like I think that anything, you know, if you can get sick, damn it, you got it from somewhere. So it's contagious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I had to, you know, and it made me sick to do it, man. I had to, I had to message Danny and, and tell him, look, man, I'm, I'm not going to be able to come up. And that just broke my heart, you know, to have to do that. Um, you know, especially you know, after seeing just how, you know, how well this weekend turned out for them, um, you know, I was like, you know, this is this is my luck. You know, this is this is my luck. I would get sick and miss probably the two best shows that the promotion has put together back to back ever. And and you know, have that taken away from me. But I, I think that uh, the next time that um, that uh, they're in Ch- in uh, Chattanooga, um, I will be there one way or the damn other. Um, he he said that you know he wants me to be there, and mm-hmm. I will I will be there. I will be there. It'd be great. So, I I'm telling you, man. It it just it broke. It it honestly got it broke my heart that I wasn't going to be able to be there. I think uh, while of course that's true, how couldn't it be true? I think the flip is, um, I mean, it is cool to think that you're going to be at the next one and that there is this man, people, people really want to give you the flowers, you know, that expression, which is <laughs> one that we're hearing a lot. And I mean, in the last two years, Berg, I mean, you know, with Jimmy rave dying and right. with, uh, you know, like when's the last time Bailey has done a thing in wrestling? Um, and right. the two of you are kind of inexorably linked 
for I mean, right. you know, I was talking the other day um, with a wrestling notable <laughs> who Larry would know about, um, who would be embarrassed if I brought him up. But like, you know, we're chatting, and I just go, and, and so he wanted to know. He goes like, you know, tell me more about Jeff Bailey, and I go, Bailey and Iceberg are. I'm like every, I've always said every booker has a muse, right? So like for Vince McMahon, it was the million dollar man. And for Paul Heyman, it was Raven, right? Like, and every manager has the one guy that it's like, we're married and the marriage is brilliant, right? So it's, it's Bobby Heenan, Quinkle and Steven, and it's Gary Hart and Abdullah, and it's right. Jeff G. Bailey and you. And I thought, like, that stuff is so special, right? It is once in a right. lifetime. You just get the, the right two guys at the right two points in their career. And it's not and, – and the best part is you and Bailey didn't agree about everything, I'm sure. But right. he believed, like, there's – you can – managers – you know, managing is a weird process, right? Where when you start right. off, I'm sure Jeff had to manage all these schmoes. You know, like, it's you and so-and-so. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but with you and him, there's a creativity back and forth, and there's a magic made. And so that, that's how I explained it. I'm like, it's as good as anything. And, I mean, you and I had an encounter. I don't even know if you fucking remember this. So I was new to Georgia. We were going to do our first show. And uh, I had interviewed you for the website. And then right. you showed up with Abdullah to our right. first show. And, right. and it was crazy because there were like 600 people at our first show. <laughs> And you were there and did a body slam challenge, and we never went back to that place, so we never got to follow it up. But I remember thinking, like, huh, this guy is special, right? And then I would see you and go, oh, he's the guy who he does this gimmick, powerful, but what made it work, Berg? Like, here's the secret, right? Here's the secret, and it's the reason I think Deathmatch is so good today is because a lot of the guys are more like you than most of the guys were in when you were really doing it. Because let's be honest, most of the guys who were bigger when you were really doing this damn thing all the time, they sucked. Like, I don't mean to disrespect them, but it's true. They could not work. They were shitty. And a lot of the guys who did hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling, there, there was some validity to the criticism that these guys couldn't do fuck all except hit each other with shit. And right. you were the exception to the rule. I mean, I've had, you know, I talk to Bailey every freaking day, right? And we've had many right. conversations where he was like, you know, Berg, and, I, and Jeff is like, and Jeff, now that Jeff is older, and has calmed down just a smidge. He now gets it, right? Where he's like, Berg always had this thing where he wanted to show that he could. I'm like, he's a wrestler, you fucking useless manager. Like, 
I'm like, we're different. I was a wrestler too, Jeff. I get it. You want to show what you can do, and you want to show all the stuff that you've been trained to do. And and I'm like, and Burke, I'm like, Jeff, you're forgetting. In that time, if you were Burke's size, you couldn't take a bump worth of shit. Those guys couldn't move, but Burke could, and Tank could. Of course they wanted to show that, right? And right. so right. that's the part that I think people need to realize. Like, you are not – and, I mean, God bless him, super nice fucking guy, right? But Stone Mountain was Stone Mountain. <laughs> he was, oh, my he God. Was, <laughs> he was what he was. And I mean oh. – and see, you both know what the fuck I'm saying, right? As Jeff oh, said, as, as Jeff said, <laughs> if you can do a choke slam and a big boot, I can do something with you. But <laughs> like, you weren't just that guy. You were, um, you were a great wrestler, and are a great wrestler trapped in the body of a monster, and it was okay. so unique. And I mean, and then you got Jeff's twisted ass, who finally got to play out his like love of true crime. And you guys, bought those the vignettes when you're sitting there. There's, I just watched the one that you know Barons has been putting up stuff like crazy, and the one right. where you're just taking thumbtacks and sticking them in your head. I'm looking at that thing going like, this thing This thing is timeless. If I saw Larry? this now. If I saw this now, I would go, I'm going to go watch this fucking guy. Like, you know, it was like the Sabu effect of like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm going. And, and Bird, you got to be proud of that. If you were just a quote unquote fat piece of shit who couldn't do anything, it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who could have done anything and chose to apply in a certain direction and was great at it. And uh, that, I think that's a Thank far you. cry from, you know, garbage wrestler. I, I, I just think that was, that had nothing to do with anything. And plus you splashed the shit out of golf on more than one occasion. <laughs> and I hate that dude. And so <laughs> for that alone, I owe you a debt of thanks. So <laughs> you, you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing because I'm right there with you. <laughs> three things I want to touch on. Three things I want to touch on, and you you yes. touched on each one of these things. Number one, the first the the, the first night that uh, I was a part of the elite, Jeff refused to go to the ring with me. Absolutely, <laughs> refused. Um, he sent me out with Big Business Brown. Uh, two. Um, the the Stone Mountain thing. Bill came to me and he said, "Berg, I need to ask you a favor." And I said, "Fuck." <laughs> what, is it, <laughs> what is it, Bill? And he said, "I need you to work with Stone Mountain at the I think it was the Christmas Big Show or maybe the Halloween Big Show." And I said, Bill, I I don't like the I I don't like who he is as a performer. I won't I, like I'm not even speaking about the guy. I won't I don't like who he is as a performer. And he said, it's one match. Do this one match, <laughs> and you, you'll never like 
I'll never ask you to do it again. And I said, all right, Bill, I will do this one match because I, I truly do feel indebted to you for giving me an opportunity. And that one match, Steve, turned into six months. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, the the blow-off match was a cage match that we had. And as I'm, he's on a table, and as I'm ascending the top rope and get there, I look down, and I just, as loud as I can, I scream, fuck you, right before I jump, because I knew that was it. I was done with it. And number three, I know Mr. Goodman knows where I'm going with this. Um, the promo that you were talking about where I was oh, yeah. sticking the thumbtacks in my face and my arms and and whatnot in the, in the back, um, that played on the big screen out in front of the, the crowd originally. At the at the TV that, that that we were doing that night, and when the report came out, because I always, I, I you know, like everybody still does, and it's because he is the most respected journalist that that still covers independent wrestling in Georgia. Um, I went and I read the report, and Larry shit on me. Said that it was. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like it was the hokiest thing he had seen. Because how did you word it, Larry? They they were obviously not real thumbtacks. Yeah, I said it was something along the lines that that, that had to be fake. So <laughs> much to, much to much to Bill's dismay, I strong armed him, and I'm like, Bill. And, and and it wasn't like I, I talked to him and, you know, pestered him about it throughout the week. I was like, Bill, we're doing that fucking promo again, and we're doing it live. We're doing it in the fucking ring. And he was like, no, it, it, it went over just for us. I said, Bill, like, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm not asking anymore. I'm telling you, one way or the other, I'm, I'm, we're going to do that promo again in the fucking ring. And as I'm sticking them in, I'm stewing. And it, that promo just so happened to 20 years ago yesterday was when okay. it aired on TV. Yeah. Yeah. How appropriate on 316 day. Right? So I... I I'm, I, I had to go back and I watched it a couple of times, and I made my wife and my kids watch it. And I was like, "Just, just watch this promo." And they were like, "Dad, we're like, you know, we've seen you do the thumbtacks, but like, just what? You know, my, you know, my kids, they know spell me. So I'm like, no, you watch this damn promo because this is special. And they, they, they watch it and they still know spell me. Damn it. But as I'm, I'm sticking the the tacks in my body, like I'm getting, like I'm getting more and more pissed, like because damn it, Larry Goodman, fucking said I wasn't using real tacks, and I was, damn it. 
So I'm sticking them in, and I, I've got a like I've got them all like a, like a human pincushion all over again. And I and I have a handful, and I just swing them at the wall. And after the like the promo cuts, if you go back and watch it, it cuts, and I'm like just standing there, and it's got the graphic, you know, uh, of, of my name, but. After we got done with that promo, I started pulling the tacks out of my body, and I was tossing them on Larry's clip pad, like where he was taking his notes, (laughs) 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 to show him, furthermore, these are real, damn it. These are real. uh, Yes, and I remember like it was yesterday. If I could add one other thing, I had never actually met you, I don't believe, at that point. And right. the way you were glaring at me and, and flicking those tacks, I I don't mind saying, I was scared. <laughs> what's what's uh, amazing, Bert? Bert, there are, there are kids, I mean, I'm calling them kids, which sounds patronizing, but there are people wrestling right now for whom... Their greatest moment, you know, like the wrestling they grew up watching was like mm-hmm. in 2005, right? Right. <laughs> right. right. And they would know you because, you know, like in the last few years, I think you've become, I likened it. Jeff was laughing. He could not stop laughing when I was talking about you because I went, you know who Berg has become? And he goes, who? And I go, he's become George Foreman, right? Where, like, he, he loves the business, and people respect him, and he shows up in the locker room, and he goes, I love you, brother, and I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you, and people say I love you back. And I go, this guy's a fucking killer, right? Like, George Foreman, George Foreman probably knocked five years and ten years off his Five years off of Muhammad Ali's career and ten years off his life, right? right. <laughs> this guy's a monster. Right. And just because he stole the Foreman grill and <laughs> right? and and start and you know was so addled in the brain that he named every kid he had George. Like, like that's that's a there's a killer in there, right? And I'm right. so glad people are hearing this story because. There's a bunch of young guys who no doubt respect you, and they think of you as, like, this kind of venerable, nice guy, and you definitely are this nice guy, very, very sort of smart guy, and a very a guy who's not afraid to say what he's feeling, and that's wonderful, but I just need to remind people, there's a motherfucking killer. But there's a reason that Jeff G. Bailey, I mean, and then to a lot of the guys, I think Jeff was kind of like this sort of legendary loudmouth, right? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, isn't Jeff so cute? Right? Like, he's all, it's almost right. cute on, like, how, and then, you know, Caleb Kitchen finds out, right? <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> or some, some dummy's going to say something while Jeff is talking about Larry at the arena. And he found out. And it's like, there is a legitimacy (laughs) to guys like you that it's the foundation of why the fact that you're so giving and so loving and wonderful, it's more meaningful because 
you are a reformed hitman. <laughs> like, that's what's incredible about it. You know, this is, this is old man Logan we're talking about, right? This is Wolverine who's trying to be a farmer. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you can pop a claw. And I think, <laughs> I think it's good for guys to hear that. And I'm glad that more people are finding out. I think, you know, Wildside being on IWTV and this podcast. Have you listened to the podcast? That Chris runs yeah. and Jeff is, yeah. I mean, that yeah. stuff is, and yeah. and now we're really getting into your stuff, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm just glad that that stuff is being talked about and being and people can watch it. People can kind of discover you all over again. I think that's just yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. I'm just so happy. Oh man, it's 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 incredible. Um, you know, and, and and what's funny is, like I said, Jeff, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't go with me to the ring that that first night that we were together. Um, but then I think once he once he kind of realized that okay, this um, to 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 just kind of paraphrase what you said, he's not just some fat piece of shit that's like every other fat guy that's you know been in the business and. He is different. Um, you know, we, he and I started to talk. And what we found that we had in common was our love for, um, not for serial killers, but the, the, the crimes themselves. And we both are, like, super nerdy about, like, we know way too much shit about, you know, like, you know, John Wayne Gacy or, you know, the Zodiac Killer. Right. Who is, you know, if people, you know, and I know I'm, I'm dating myself here when I say that, like, I absolutely stole his symbol that he put on his outfit. Uh, because, you know, every pro wrestler, they need some sort of identifying mark, right, identifying marker per se, to go on their gear. And so I was up late one night watching TV, and it was, it was a documentary on the Zodiac Killer. And I, and I see the, uh, the artist drawing of the, you know, him in the hood, you know, with the, with the gun. And I was like, that, for whatever reason, that little simple crosshair symbol, it hit me. And I, I, I called Rick Michaels up at like 3 in the morning. And I was like, look. I'm fixing to send you a picture of something. This is what I want you to put on my gear from now on. This this shit right here. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, that's how Jeff and I. That, that's that's one reason why we had so much chemistry, is because once we, you know, finally started talking and realized that we had something in common outside of pro wrestling. You know, um, I like it was just like peanut butter and jelly. You know, they just, the shit just went together. And I think yeah. that's why we, you know, worked so well together. Is, you know, is we, we, we had that open line of communication now 
you know, and and, and so we would we would spend hours on the phone, um, you know, a couple of times a week just talking, you know, ideas for promos and like he would pitch stuff to me and I never said no to it. And and I think that you know how when Jeff gets excited, like and he he starts that you know he gets that Cheshire cat grin on his face and he starts that laugh, like this is how he would he would be you know as he would be describing you know like this promo we're gonna do and you know I was always open to do whatever, uh, you know whatever it called for whether it was you know having the 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 freaking magazine laid out with the bodies from Columbine and you know I hope that I don't go to hell for for that um among other things <laughs> um, uh, you know the you know Nicole Brown Simpson you know him like him referencing her being turned into a human pet dispenser you know we 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 played with all that stuff um there is one match though and I and and it's one of my favorite matches that I kind of got to wrestle in and it was a it was a it didn't have anything to do with blood or gore or anything like that it was a wrestling match and I was so freaking excited because I saw my name and it was like me Jason Cross and JC Daz against Caprice Jimmy and AJ and I was like hell yes like mm-hmm. I will finally wow. get to show that I can wrestle, you know. And for eight minutes, Bill had me basically stand on the fucking apron and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was a part of the. I was a part of uh, <laughs> like the beginning of the match because, you know, like everybody, everybody did a dive, and and so like I was there to be the target. You know, um, and then I think AJ did the last, the last dive. Him across one, and they finally like knocked me down, like legit knocked me down, um, because I I had every intention of not going down, just like letting everybody hit me and and fall to the wayside. But yeah, it was, I would not have gone down. Uh, but for the fact that I was actually knocked down, and I think I was pulled down, you know. But uh, and that match is on YouTube, by the way, <laughs> in two parts. You um, know, we're 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 almost out of airtime here. We're going to have to do a part two here. This is too good. Um, this is, this to. has been really fun. I got to say one thing uh, before we one that I got, uh, you know. I knew that you did hardcore stuff and you did deathmatch stuff, but to me, when it, you were the NWA Wildside heavyweight champion, you were the best wrestler they had at that for a period of time oh, there when you were on top, and that's the way I thought about you. Wow, thank you. I mean that that that's a truly humbling statement, uh, Larry, and I mean that that really means a lot to me now. Do I personally think it's true? No. But it's it's humbling to hear it said. Um and, and that that means the world to me. Uh, you know, hearing it and, and you know, hearing it come from you. 
So thank you so very much. Well, you're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're welcome. And you, wasn't, you weren't the hardcore champion. You were the NWA Wildside heavyweight champion. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a lot of fun, man. Like, I, I, you know, that was, that was, you know, outside of the Stone Mountain period. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Fuck. I shouldn't have brought um, that up at all. <laughs> no, it's funny that you did, like, because you, you gave me three bullet points to touch on. Uh, I'm glad you did. Um, uh, but, but no, man, like, I, I had so much fun, you know, being the, you know, being the representative of, of the company at the time, you know. And that, that, that run did so much for me professionally, um, you know, that I, I could never, you know, pay Bill back. You know, if I had $10 million, I would hand it to him. You know, just for that run, because I think that did everything for me and opened doors uh, for me that um, otherwise I don't think would have been opened. Mm-hmm. So, well, Berg, this has been a, a delight, and I hope you get to Chattanooga the next time and, and get your flowers. I absolutely at ICW. Will, will be there. I will absolutely be there. I mean, I imagine this this year, Berg, I mean, you got to do the thing at Anarchy, which I thought was so cool, Uh, you know, being there with with frickin' Izzy and uh, Tank and Dan. I, you know, this is, I shouldn't talk about this. I'm going to talk about it. Screw it. Like, this this is, this is the year, you know, this is the year I think where people are really focused in and you're that bridge, you're a bridge between that era of wild side and anarchy, but the young guys, you're a presence to them as well. And in a lot of ways, Georgia wrestling, it's never been like this. I mean, the coverage, the number of viable places for these guys to work it's stunning. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and, and we've got so many guys around who are willing to share and willing to share their experiences, whether it's you or it's, you know, Jeff writing stuff. And, like, Dan is out there doing it again. And, you know, Dan told me, he's just like, this retirement shit, I'm never doing it again. Like, I'm, mm, right. I'm, I'm fucking in it to win it. That's what Dan told me. Right. And I was like, yeah, I mean, good. Yeah. You know, because you're just yeah, a fucking I mean, manager I, anyway. I promise you, I promise you, if, if I did not have the, the, the permanent nerve damage in my, in my right foot and leg, I would be right out there doing it with them because it's, it, they're having so much fun. You know, those guys are my brother's. And, I mean, how fortunate was I, man, because I had Jeff, you know, as my mouthpiece to, you know, to, to start, to jumpstart things for me, and he carried me along. And then, you know, I had Dan to carry me along after that. I mean, that's, to me, that's the two greatest managers 
to be that that have yeah. never been signed to a contract, and that to me is is a fucking shame. Pardon my French, but it is a shame because both of those guys are so good at what they do. But you know, at the end of the day, you're still around, and I think wrestling's better for it. I think we're better for it. You know, I was very insistent, and Larry was too, um, of having you on. And the main reason was, oh, guys got to know. <laughs> and <laughs> if you didn't <laughs> know, now you know. And uh, <laughs> definitely got to have you on again, man. It's just so wonderful to hear from you, and uh, I'm just so glad that more and more people are seeing and they want to see. And uh, you deserve it. I mean, there's just no other way to put I mean, As much as I hate that chant, more than almost any other, <laughs> yeah, it certainly applies to you. You deserve every bit of it. And I, I can't wait to see you get more because you deserve all Thank of it. Thank you, man. I, I, re- I really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, it it, it kind of it took me by surprise, you know. Like I, I thought that it, you know, with me not being able to do the ICW um, shots, that uh, you know, you guys may not want me on. But uh, the fact that you still wanted to, you know, wanted me to come on and talk, man, that that means the world to me. And I, I really appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely. Well, we we definitely got to get out of here because. Uh, you know, like in true wrestler style, none of us made our time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes turned into an hour and a half. But, uh, um, Larry, where are you going to be this weekend? No wrestling for me. Just wanted to mention quickly, since we're another yeah. legend, Jimmy Axendine has fundraiser number one at Strange Duck Brewing this weekend by Southern Violence and Wrestling and Southern Combat, and then another fundraiser next weekend by GCW. So get out and support Jimmy. Nice. And Berg, and you got to find Berg. If you, if you don't see Berg's stuff um, on Facebook, you got to check it out. You got you to gotta, you gotta be friends with Edward. You got to do it, man. <laughs> you got to be friends with exactly. Edward Chastain. And Bill Barons has been putting up a lot of iceberg gloves, so everybody needs to check that out as well. I appreciate it, man. Well, yeah. special thank you to our guest, Iceberg, the No Pain Train, uh, for Larry Goodman. I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you for joining us for the tipping point. Thank you, guys.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.